Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the show. It is Friday, November 10th. Jimmy, we didn't get to go hunting today. Ah, uh, yeah, that was disappointing. Hold on. We got to start over. What happened? Because I didn't do it. No, you didn't do it. I didn't do it. It's me, Chris, and of course, Jimmy. <laughs> this now is weird being on this end. I haven't done this for a while. Yeah, the whole uh, virtual thing. But, you know, schedules being schedules, we got to do what we got to do sometimes. I feel like uh, I'm speaking your of, Speaking of got to do what you got to do sometimes, uh, I want to start the show off with uh, thanking uh, our listeners. Uh, we've continued to have uh, higher than normal listenership. Um, and we've got a lot of good things, I think, uh, coming down the pike for you. Uh, I shared with Jimmy a little earlier today. We have a whole list of people that have applied to be guests on the show. Some, some political, some uh, doctors, some just average everyday people, some writers, uh, you know, human interest stories. Uh, we have a, a whole a whole list of uh, of people. So that's that's great that they uh, they are applying to. Uh, to be guests on the show. And we're going to get as many of them on here as feasible uh, over there. And that's the essence of anything goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but I like Jimmy, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to start our show tonight with, with something that I, I don't, you might pass out. What? <laughs> I you hope might, not. You might fall out of your chair. Okay. Two things I never thought would come out of my mouth. Well, this is exciting. But today, actually, one of them happened yesterday, one of them happened today. Yesterday and today, at least on an issue, I'm a fan of Joe Biden and John Fetterman. Oh, oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. You know what? I don't know about Joe Biden, but I certainly saw the Fetterman troll, right? Was it wasn't he... just once. Yeah. <laughs> He's done it a couple times. So yeah, for those of you who have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, uh, Joe, we'll start with Joe. Old Joe, you know, he's taking like a beating from his own party right now about his stance uh, with Israel. And although I think that uh, he is uh, softening his tone to some degree uh, with the, you know, pro-Palestinian left of his party, he is certainly not, he is certainly not falling away from publicly going out and saying that, uh, you know, his, his thing is uh, a 100% support of Israel in their ability to defend and eradicate Hamas. So I give him credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's, um, that that's fair. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Like you kind of said that just like, whoa, um, you, you almost don't expect it, but we see this time and time again, the left starts to eat itself. They don't, they're not aligned. Um, and it's just that competition to be, to, to be as far left extreme as possible. And they just keep carving themselves out a little bit smaller of a group and yep. a little bit crazier of a group. And then the rest of us, <clears throat> Anybody who's not in that fringe far yeah. left becomes the right. 
and and they just like now they're going to start calling Joe Biden a right wing extremist. And oh man, I mean, you should see you should see the vitriol he's getting. It's uh, it, it's insane. Like especially uh, among the eighteen to twenty four year old population, uh, they're just like they they're done. They've had it with them. Yeah, I hope the the college uh, administration. Start is starting to see like how insane, you know, this, this, uh, that segment of the population, I guess, you know, that age, that demographic is looking really rough. Like their cognitive abilities are all, are on the decline and their ability to kind of like think, you know, be, be it logical. I don't know. I mean, it's so weird this, that this topic is what really highlights that, um, but I mean, it it epitomizes the left, in my opinion. You know, their their stance on Palestine, the Palestinians, whatever. Um, I see little snip. I I don't pay much attention to it at all because it just seems like the same thing. But the little snippets here and there, see people chanting for uh, Palestine and Palestinians and stuff. They know, and then they somebody talks to them, interviews them or whatnot, and they know nothing about it. Yeah, they have no clue. Somebody even says, you know, hey, so, well, can you at least condemn or that that Hamas Hamas invaded Israel on on October 7th? Like, that was bad, right? And they're like, I don't don't have any evidence that Hamas did that. I don't think they invaded Israel at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's all fake. Hello? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and and it's uh it's hilarious because that that's exactly right. When anytime you see somebody attempt to actually learn what their stance is, and you know, listen, if you can't at a minimum, whether you believe that the atrocity on October seventh happened or not, <laughs> if the if the question that you can't answer is do you support Hamas? and you can't give a definitive yes or no to that, that tells me all I need to know about that person anyway. <laughs> I mean, honestly, That's because kinda... it's, I mean, we had the, we had the uh, one, the one woman, Palestinian woman in New York who was on TV, who was screaming at the crowd of Jewish people. And he said, and one of them yelled that, do you, do you condemn Hamas? And she said, look at us. We are all Hamas. So <laughs> what are we, yeah. what are we you know, that's coming from your mouth. That's coming from you, Palestinian person's mouth. You know, so what are, you know, what are we supposed to take? I'm supposed, I'm, you know, I've always been taught to take people at their word. So am I to take you at your word that, that that's, you know, that's what the Palestinian people believe too? That Hamas, I mean, yeah, I, I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, we've talked at length about uh, the, the logic and yeah, well, that we're seeing lack of logic. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, we're seeing it in, in the U.S. Congress with Rashida Tlaib, um, her inability to actually kind of call anything out. I think, I think we're seeing. I, I think some of the squad is behind her, but like, I think AOC is staying pretty quiet on the issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it sounds like her stance is pretty, pretty clear. It's like innocent civilians, bad, you know, 
hurting in, innocent civilians bad. Uh, Hamas definitely also bad. Right. So where whereas some of those other ones just can't say that it, it's well, kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean they're 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 absolutely insane. Um, you know, Rashida will get. I was going to get to Rashida Tlaib, but since you brought her up, um, you know, she was censured. Uh, I think 22 Democrats joined Republicans in censuring her. And here's the thing, like anybody who does like any basic level Google search, this is what she got censured for. She got censured because she was continually using the phrase from the river to the sea. Okay. You don't have to be a Palestinian Israeli expert to understand what that means. It's in the Hamas charter. What it means is they want to push the Israelis, the Jewish, from the Jordan River into the Mediterranean Sea, eradicating them. I mean, that's what it means. That's what it's always meant. And she got up there and tried to give some speech after they censured her or before they censured her to plead her case that, Oh, you know, it's just a saying. It's just a chant. No, it's never been just a saying, just a chant. It's written into a terrorist organization's charter. So she can try to play that bullshit all she wants. Um, yeah, you're going to get the whatever the chick from Florida and the other chick from the squad, uh, Elon Omar, the three of them. You know, notice that the uh, I didn't hear the uh, guy who pulled the fire alarm get up there and speak on her behalf either. He um, did. Oh, did he? I didn't see it. Yeah, he went off. He he actually was screaming and yelling and trying to call. And I, it, I'm glad you brought him up because he he's out there flipping out and um, he's trying. This is what the left does. They try to scream back at the right and say, well, you guys did this and they're trying to. May, they're trying to draw a comparison to like what yeah. the right said and did in the past. Yeah. And it's never uh, yeah. the same thing. They're conflating of issues course. and trying to make equivocations that are not accurate. Um, and, and, but it's all, it's just for them to rage and, and yell and not make any sense. They don't have to say words. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're just, they're just screaming and yelling and sounding like idiots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ilan Amar, like you said, is another one who is pushing a lot of the same stuff. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're they're they're. Yeah. Awesome. And I mean, that's why I think you've seen at least I've kind of noticed it over the last year, year and a half or so. They don't get remotely as much airtime uh, as they were initially, you know, during their first terms in Congress. Um, they're occasionally. Uh, on the news networks and, and those kinds of things. But in general, you don't really see too much of them until something like this happens where, you know, because Rashida Tlaib is the only Palestinian American in Congress, you know, she's going to get the limelight for a little while. But even so, she hasn't, I wouldn't say she's necessarily gotten positive press um, in this whole situation. I mean, of course, they're, they're, they're airing her and, you know, listening to, you know, her rants and whatever, but they're not, uh, they're not glorifying her or, or anything like that, that I've seen. I, I, I just haven't seen it. So, I mean, that tells you right there that the, uh, you know, there's even a lot in the media, even as left as the most of the mainstream media is, you know, I don't think they're on her team on this. And I think that, I think the numbers that I saw were, even though Biden has taken a hit from his party, 
it's, it's only like it's like 16 percent of the Democratic Party support this whole uh, Palestine push where, you know, the rest the rest are squarely behind Israel. So it's still, a you know, 16 percent in one party. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a big number, but it's not it's not super significant. Of course, like we always say, the loudest, you know, the loudest person in the room always gets the attention. And they're the ones screaming and yelling. So, yeah, you know, that's that's where the attention's going to go. That's very typical for them. Um, yeah. So you, you were um, still talking about Rashida Tlaib. I'm not even sure what the censoring does exactly to her. So I and think that I think that, you know, obviously, one, it's a public admonishment. It's done on the floor of Congress in front of everyone to see. It's on TV. If you watch C-SPAN, you could watch the censoring. Of course, every major news network is going to pick it up and play parts of it. Um, uh, I believe that if you've been censured, you are you can be restricted from committees. Uh, for I, I don't know if that's a permanent thing or if that's a you know there's a time frame or whenever they feel like she's made whatever amends she needs to make. Uh, to get back on committees. Uh, but I think that's part of it too. So for a Congresswoman who's, you know, you know, or anybody in Congress who's there to represent their constituency, I think it really puts a limit on her ability to, you know, sit on committees that are important to her district uh, and things like that. Sure. Yeah. So, I, I mean, depending on what it does, depends on whether or not how much I agree with it. Cause I just don't know if I love the move. Um, yeah. it can seem potentially like a, um, like a jab, I guess, um, uh, a low blow or, or, I mean, I would go as far as to say it's a lot less minor than manufacturing an impeachment. Oh, absolutely. But, <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, I mean, we kind of have to hold, you know, not, not go down to their level. Um, as long, I mean, because I, I I'm an advocate for free speech. Yeah, she can absolutely. Say whatever she wants. She can say and, what you want. And I encourage them to say what they mean, what they feel, because that just makes it really clear and obvious. Um, it it kind of segues to something I wanted to talk about because sure. um, I, I've heard it uh, raised lately about um, presidential candidates and their ability to uh, or the i guess the requirement that they be u.s citizens or u.s born citizens not naturalized because there's some debate and question about um i think like jank uger who's running for president um he's fighting a court case to that he seems to be very confident that the 14th amendment i think covers his uh, ability that expands the rights that to everybody um but the point point being is that I think it's a, a silly restriction. I mean, yes, you have to debate it if the Constitution kind of makes it clear one way or the other. Um, but if it was based on a moral standing, going back to the free speech, like, I don't care if somebody from China wants to come here and, you know, whatever they're naturalized, even not naturalized and run for president, um, if they're a resident and they want to run, I don't necessarily care because uh they we just shouldn't vote for them like yeah 
Well, I don't know. I think that I think that if you're talking about Congress, that's one thing. I think if you're talking about the presidency, I look at that a whole different way. I think that I think that that rule for somebody to run for president that should be a rule. I think that your your president, the president of this country, should be a natural born, one hundred percent, always been uh, an American citizen. Well, that well, wait a minute, hold on. That's not the case though, because it's just a natural born citizen. So that's that's why I kind of have a problem with it because if somebody moved here at the age of seven years old, mm-hmm. um, and they were born, uh, excuse me, they were raised and and built up through the system as an American citizen, naturalized citizen raised here since a very young age versus a natural born, we'll call him an anchor baby, whatever you want to call him that, that, and then went, went back to their country and spent 35 years uh, in China or wherever. wherever. And they came back and they wanted to run like they would actually have more legal right to mm-hmm. run for president than the person who actually was raised here and invested in this country. So that's why I kind of have a problem with that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I don't think you have to be a, I don't think you have to be a natural born citizen to run for Congress. Uh, I think there, there's a Republican female who uh, I believe she's was born in the Ukraine. Um, and, and she's a Congresswoman mm-hmm. now she's been in the country for years, but um, well, so same, yeah, sure. Same thing, point. governor, whatever. Yeah, no. you don't have to. I, I would almost rather uh, at the lower levels like that, you actually, as long as you can kind of prove that you're vested, mm-hmm. um, I don't have a problem with it. If somebody's transferring to another district, that same, you know, election cycle yeah. uh, or whatever, like you need to be invested in that region or whatever. But and from so on a larger scale of the presidency, uh, I just want the same thing. And I think it's more obvious. So like, I feel like it's even easier for anybody to run as a candidate, but why would we vote for anybody who has invested? So I don't really, that, that initial restriction, whether or not they're legally permitted to run seems kind of silly because it does restrict people like whatever Elon Musk, perhaps, um, from running. Uh, so, and, should he have the right to run? Absolutely. The guy is certainly invested in, in the United States, um, yeah. been here a long time. And, and I don't, I don't see why he would have any less right than somebody who just happened to be born on this soil. And then, mm-hmm. left. so, yeah, I mean, I'd have to think about that. I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about that, to be honest with you. Which part? Uh, about a non-natural born. And I understand your point. Just don't just don't vote for him. Like, well, yeah, and I probably wouldn't. But yeah, so then, so then, so why why do we need the restriction? Well, why do we need? Because a lot of people probably would vote for him. Who, who like vote for who? Well, it just depends. I mean, say we had a president that was born in Kenya. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let, let's just say, <laughs> let's just say we had one. No, actually, you know what? That's, that's my point. We actually don't have a requirement and I, I'm going to confidently say we don't have a requirement, um, to guarantee that the president was born in the United States. 
and we're t- and we're alluding to Barack Obama here, and I'm not, and I wouldn't say one way or the other. Let's just say he absolutely was born in the United States. There was no process to verify and prove that ahead of time. Yeah. Well, even, I mean that we know of. What do you mean that we know? Like he, it took him years. It took it. Well, I mean, unless you're saying it was like just not disclosed that they verified well, what I'm it. saying is, is we also know how political parties opposing a p- political parties, you know, could could that have been quashed really quick when it first surfaced? Sure, because all he would have to do is produce whatever documents existed to show that he was born in this country. Politically, he didn't do that. Why? Because the argument fueled his base even more to vote for him, which again is what I'm saying is there was a huge, I mean, that wasn't the only reason, but there was a huge, there was a huge swath of people that probably that was a motivating factor for them because the Republicans were making that such an issue. They, they went crazy over it. Uh, And, and so, yeah, that gave energy to a lot of his early days of his campaign. So, well, that kind of, but that kind of proves my point. Then, if that wasn't even an issue, it wouldn't have been that anything for them to, to really use as a as a weapon. Well, we we've seen obviously uh, that the Republican Party is not exactly great at uh, getting on an issue, as we just saw in Virginia yesterday. Uh, <laughs> you know, where they they had control of the uh, assembly. I think they call it an assembly in Virginia. Uh, they had control and there was six vacancies. And not only did they lose those six vacancies, they lost control because half of their most of the people that were running as the incumbents got slaughtered, too. Why? All because of abortion, because of the abortion. rule. And so the Republicans didn't go out there and didn't have a convincing argument about their stance on abortion mm-hmm. to counter the what well obviously was a successful uh argument that the democrats had when and of course the democrats argument was oh if you elect republicans they're going to ban abortion completely which is patently false because nobody was even doing that but their message but their messaging was so good on it and the republicans messaging was so bad on it that they got trounced i mean you have you have glenn youngkin who got elected just two years ago as the governor because he knew how to message about the schools and about parents' rights and about all those things. And you heard none of that throughout virtually any of the campaigns in Virginia. And it showed they got, they got their butts beat because of it, because their messaging sucks. I don't know what they're going to do to turn that around and how that affects anything. I don't, I'm a big believer that state elections don't, reflect national elections because they're just you know people vote for the people in their district and they care about what the people in their district care about um so i'm not sure that that transfers to a national presidential election necessarily Uh, but the abortion the abortion argument that the democrats put out there the fear you know however that is fearful i don't understand why that's even like a super fearful thing to most people but it but their messaging scares the shit out of people and causes them to go and vote for Democrats. Well, and that's all predicated on the you know the assumption that our elections are accurate 
fair. That's true. Whatever. And man, I'm certainly not convinced of that at all. Um, yeah. You know, and not not necessarily based on polling, but just it just seems insane to me that the left keeps getting the same like voting numbers and and maybe they are uh ex- accurate to a very high degree and the amount of fraud and stuff is very small maybe that's the case you could potentially sell that to me um if that's the case i i almost just wonder you know how how that's even possible um because this stuff is just in everybody's face every day now but and these and these leftist cities who are falling apart completely, they continue to vote <laughs> for the same leadership over yep. and over and over again. It just makes no logical sense whatsoever. How yeah. is that even happening? Um, it just seems like they just their their ability to uh, control the voting outcomes, even if it's valid, their ability to kind of manipulate that by uh focusing on the high concentration areas and getting just yeah. high concentration of, of voter records if you will i don't know just i mean basically ballot harvesting that kind of thing yeah. Yeah. they're just so much better uh positioned to do that kind of thing and that that's what saves them that what that's what makes these elections even close they shouldn't even be close yeah. but they're close or or I mean, the major cities, that's that's the only place where, where they're getting these these big numbers. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, so we kind of got off uh, a little bit of a tangent because the second part of Jimmy falling out of his chair <sighs> is my agreeance and actual actually I'm like laughing and think it's hilarious that John Fetterman is trolling these anti-Palestinian groups outside of the senate building <laughs> i mean i think the fact that we're just laughing at fetterman is just another thing that's that's uh <laughs> great but yeah i mean what's what's he doing what's what's wrong with him um <laughs> man i mean i mean listen i mean is the guy all there no nope um but it it appears at least on this issue he has like a cognitive understanding of where he stands and the position that he's going to take. So for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, there was a pro-Palestinian rally going on outside the Senate building and he walked outside the Senate building and walked behind him. And as he was walking behind him, he was waving an Israeli flag back and forth and smiling. And like, as he's walking past the crowd, it was, it's hilarious. And he did it like two times. Um, and the other thing that I was laughing at was they were, uh, he was the, you know, uh, the, the leader of the Senate is not always in the, in the chair with the gavel during uh, when they're doing their work. And so he was the president. uh, I guess you would call it president pro tem during the uh, what they were doing. And what they were doing was they were doing, they were going through nominations for um, uh, military officers to be promoted. Uh, And, and I think it was the senator, I can't remember his name. It's not uh, Warner. It's the other senator from uh, Virginia. Uh, he's up there and he's reading the names. You know, I, you know, Bill or, you know, 
whatever number 227 recommends so-and-so for promotion to rear admiral in the Navy. And Fetterman's up at the microphone and he just starts laughing and he goes, is there an objection? And he's like laughing hysterically. He knows because he knows the objection is coming. Right. So uh -huh. like and they have to go through them individually uh, and because if they don't, if there's no objection, then it just goes through and they, that person gets their, their Senate confirmed to their next promotion. And so he like the first time he's like, uh, he goes. Any, is there any objection? And the uh, senator from Alabama is up there and he's like, Mr. President. And he's like, he just busts out laughing. He's like, he's like, the gentleman from Alabama is recognized. And he's like, I object. And he just busts out laughing. Like every single one of them, like they go through a whole list of them. And he's just like, he's just like, I mean, he's acting kind of like a kid. Yeah, the, exactly. yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm, it was refreshing to me to see actually somebody up there who knows that this is just a bullshit game. Like they're playing a BS game. Um, cause, cause honestly, even though it's the Republicans that are, and I understand why the Republicans are objecting, they're holding all these Senate confirmations until Schumer puts certain issues on the floor for the Senate to vote on. So they've already said Howley, a bunch of them have already said, we're going to object to absolutely everything until you put these X, Y, and Z issues on the floor for a vote. Whether we're going to win or we're going to lose is irrelevant. We want the public to see how this vote goes on these particular issues. And Schumer won't do it. So they're going to withhold. They're going to hold and object to every single one of these promotions, to uh, to these judge appointments, to the, they're, they're, you know, that's how this, that's how the Republicans in the Senate and it's really the only leverage they have because they don't have the numbers. Um, so that's how they're doing it. And Fen but Fetterman just up there laughing was hysterically funny to me. I mean, you really, I mean, going back to the Israeli thing, you really just have to give him props unless, unless he's just completely crazy. Yeah. Um, he may be, he may be, but <laughs> I feel like you have to give him props and, and some of the Democrats and Joe Biden or whatever for, yeah. For actually acknowledging that and not being afraid of their mob, because that's what it seems like every other issue yeah. when things like Black Lives Matter or whatever and and Nancy Pelosi's kneeling in their chamber with their yeah. African garb and crazy. I mean, they just are bowing to every major like uh, not these protest groups, whatever you want to call them, these advocacy groups. Um, that well, they're placating. They're, plating, they're yeah. placating to their voter base. But they never, ever, ever stand up against them. They, yeah, they. That's all they do is placate. But why aren't they doing it now? I think that. I think that's amazing that they're yeah. actually kind of taking a stand and not afraid of that base. Um, and in support of Israel, it, it's weird. Is it this pro-war piece to it? I don't know. I don't think so because I don't think I don't think John Fetterman's necessarily like pro war. He's not a. Um, I yeah, I'd not see, I would see Joe Biden would be, but not mm -hmm. Fetterman. Um, it's it's a little bit odd, yeah. but hey, good on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, another. Uh, uh, so the the speaking of the election coming up next year, the Senate is. Uh, the map for the Senate uh, for next election is heavily in Republican favor. 
Now, we've seen, obviously, and we've already talked about in other elections, how, you know, that doesn't necessarily work out the way it's supposed to. But it's very significant because it's only a one or two. It's only a two vote difference right now. I think it's 50, 51 to 48 in the Senate right now. Um, so it's it's significant in that the Democrats have 22 Senate seats up for re-election next year. And I think there's only like eight Republicans that are up for re-election next year. So the map is heavily in the Democrats' favor, but they just took another blow. And that blow is Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, who um, just announced that he's not running for re-election, which means that uh, Justice, the current governor of West Virginia, who's running for the Senate seat, is most likely going to win it. Um, I don't even think there's any other opposition to him at this point. Uh, I think the opposition was Joe Manchin. Um, and another huge blow, Joe Manchin is doing his exploratory for a presidential run as a third party candidate. Now, we talk about that because we talked about RFK Jr. and kind of the questions as to what uh, what votes he would take away from or, you know, whose votes he would take away from where. Would he take more from Biden? Would he take more from Trump? Is it about a 50-50 split? We don't know. Uh, Manchin assuredly is going to take a lot of votes from Biden. So huge news, huge news uh, detrimental to Joe Biden's presidential run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's really hard to speculate that. And we keep seeing this stuff about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And I mean, I, it, I, it's not a virtual certainty that either one of them are going to be on the ballot. So, yeah, because um, I, I, the, the, I think the argument I think the argument is harder to make with Biden than it is with Trump right now. Uh, we'll see over the next five months. Uh, well, what are we in November? Yeah, May, April, May next year, we'll probably have a clearer picture on what what the whole Trump situation is going to be. Um, but I think the picture is a lot clearer that this is this is hugely it's hugely adverse right now for Joe Biden to and who knows he may he your your previous uh, thoughts might come true that he's not even on the ticket come come next year. Don't know. I, don't think, I just don't think there's any way. I really don't. I, I don't know how it goes, like I said, but I just don't think there's any way. I think this thing's going to get flipped on its head. Um, I think there's going to be issues with, with um, certain states and Trump um, mm -hmm. being on the ballot due to his indictments and things like that. Like I said, I just I'm afraid that they're going to win on on that. It's going to it's a political game that um, is just going to be a major uphill battle. And the easier thing to do is just just kind of move on and go well, another direction. And, and, and I said early on that, you know, Trump being the nominee is going to be problematic as much as as much as I don't disagree with him being president. Um there's going to be problems. And like you said, now you're crossing over from the political into the judicial because that would get immediately <laughs> challenged. And that would be something that would have to immediately go to the Supreme court for resolution. 
and there's ways for them to do that. Um, and so, and constitutionally, I don't believe that there's anything that says that if you've been indicted, you can't run. Matter of fact, I don't even think there's anything that in any congressional or any constitutional framework that says that even if you're convicted, you can't run. Right. Now, would it hurt him if he was convicted, you know, if he was convicted uh, of a felony? It may. Or as we've seen every time a new indictment comes out, how does it boost his polls? Yeah, it's very possible. I think I think the, the number of voters that he loses because of it is probably going to be countered with a number of people that are like, this is crazy. Yeah, this is just a complete sham. And uh, uh, we can't let let our political systems turn into yeah, uh, a banana republic like we exactly. complain about all these other countries doing. Uh, yeah. So. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think I think, like I said, for Trump, I think we're, you know, five, six months away from really seeing any impact uh, because there's been no movement. Let's face it. There's been no movement in the polls for the other Republican candidates. And we just had the third debate uh, and, and there's been no shifting in the polls. I mean, it's nobody's interesting. Yeah, there's all there's all this conversation about the, the Republican candidates uh, that were in the debate. But the game completely changes when Trump is around. He's just like not even part of the conversation because yeah. it, right now it's just the foregone conclusion that that those other candidates are there in a battle for second place at best. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, there's speculation. It's a battle for VP. I don't think any of them have a shot at VP. No, um, I don't think he would choose any one of them as VP. No, I don't think so. He talks crap about every one of them except for Vivek and Vivek wouldn't do it. Um, people keep speculating that Vivek would, would do it. Um, is it in the realm of possibility? Yes. I think it's 99% unlikely. Um, and here's honestly, why, here's why I think that Vivek may consider it. Trump can only do one term. Yeah. So the fact that he can only do one term, if you're in there, in the White House as the VP and you're active and you're a good VP and you're actually doing things, which I think Vivek would do, um, then that is a huge platform enhancer for carrying on for the next election. Because Trump can't run twice. He's already yeah. been president once. He can only do one more term. Um, so I, I think that there, there would be there's a huge advantage over any other candidates that would decide to run after Trump if he's elected president. So in that aspect, I, do I think that Vivek wants to be the vice president? No, I don't. I don't think he has any desire to do that. But do I think that there's a polit political uh, advantage to potentially doing it in this case because it would only be four years? Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why you and I would advocate for him probably to do it yeah. but i don't think that he would i just don't think he would i don't think he wants to be associated with that kind of hate because if he if he yeah. puts himself i mean he, i mean he does he does back trump so um but i think if he has to be side by side with him throughout a campaign um i think that will attach him to that that hatred that a lot of people have. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know, maybe I don't think that's entirely it. I think the 
the major reason why I don't think he would is because he has been very, very clear that he does not and does not intend to and will not do it. I mean, he straight up said, I will not. And so, yes, I, I think that there's justification for him to go back on that and be like, well, the circumstances have changed and this is what I, but that's not what I was going for at the time. Um, But I think it would be bad if he did become VP or at least run as a VP because he would not have been true to his word. And I don't think he needed to do that other than to make it very, very clear that that is not my intention. That is not what I'm going for. But he has basically said I wouldn't take it anyway. Um, That's not that's not me. But um, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I I did watch most, if not all of the uh, the most recent debate. I thought he did very well. But the, the, the weird thing that's going on is like the establishment type media and major organizations. Yeah. Yeah. They're putting him down so, so much. Um, And, but it's, but it seems very clear that the public Mm -hmm. is kind of not feeling the same way. They feel pretty strongly. Uh, It's, it's, he's a whole, he has a whole different dynamic in the debate, in the debate setting. He has a lot of energy. He gets fired up and he starts going very hard in that short amount of time he has. But I think anybody who has any, who wants to, find out more who, who they only see him in that setting. If you listen to any of his long form interviews, even just a 20 minute segment on breaking points or something, uh, man, the guy is just super compelling because he is very, very clear and he can draw lines that people just, a lot of people just don't understand. They conflate too many things and he is very clear about his points and people try to say, Oh, well, if you're saying this, then you're, then you mean this. And he's no, these, those are two different scenarios. I'm, I'm saying this when he's talking about his foreign policy. Um, I just think he's very, very, very well thought out and would be a fantastic candidate. And I think he's trying to be smart that he leaves that door open come 2028. And, yeah. But the VP certainly would not hinder that at all. <laughs> yeah. That'd be good for him. But I think a cabinet position is is certainly uh, in the realm of possibility. That would that would fit quite well and still kind of get that, but maybe not as much uh, notoriety. And he's going to stay active for the next several years to keep yeah. to stay relevant. But well, he's got to keep his name out there. For I sure. guess I, I guess I don't know. I I don't even know what to think because I'm concerned about the 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 way this, this, uh, attitude towards him is going that I think a, for a, wa- a long time, I was fairly confident that if Trump was out of the picture, Vivek would rise to the top pretty quickly and easily. Um, the support for DeSantis was very, was dwindling, kind of trending in the wrong direction for him. Um, Vivek was rising and I don't think really anybody else has anything of unique value. So, um, but that, that's not what I'm seeing. I, I thought after these debates that uh, people would be coming on board and a lot more eyes would be on Vivek and he would be surging. And he's definitely not. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I know what they're all stag. I mean, from the last from the last debate to this most recent debate and even after this most recent debate, they've all remained right where they were. Like the There's pendulum like hasn't shifted at all. There's like weird polling that has Vivek at the same percentage as like Liz Cheney. Yeah. Like, I don't even understand it. 
Is she even running? No. Well, I don't know. Who knows what she's doing? I mean, who's who's pushing for support for that? So I, I think that's garbage. Um, but I, I think somebody is somebody at higher levels are pushing against Vivek. I don't know what they're afraid of. Um, I don't know why they have they must have some kind of worry that he's going to shake things up and it's going to hit them hard. I mean, I, I, that makes sense. And maybe that's great. Yeah, and maybe not, that's he's, another, that, he's another non-establishment candidate. Absolutely. He, he's not afraid of, of flipping the whole system on its head yeah. um, to, to the extent of his ability. So, um, and I'm certainly not against that. We need some major shakeups to turn this ship around and yeah. get in the right direction. We are trending in a bad, bad way for our future and our children's future. Um, it's not good. So, yeah. so, all right. Well, Hey, it's late on a Friday night. Um, we will be back on Tuesday. You're good Tuesday. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, just like, just like the momentum in a campaign, we want to keep the momentum in this podcast going on because we have, like I said, at the beginning, uh, we have a lot of people that are, that are, uh, applying and I say applying, I mean, that's really what they're doing but uh, asking to be on to talk about tons of different topics. Uh, 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 so we, we can go in a hundred different directions. And I think that that's the goal and, that, and that's what we want to do. But I, I do want to give one plug. If you don't listen to this podcast on Spotify, I want, I need you to go to Spotify and at least follow the podcast. Uh, you know, you don't have to listen to, to it on there. I know I have, uh, I've heard back from some people that just don't like Spotify, and that's fine. Um, but I, I need you to at least go on Spotify and um, and and follow the podcast because that that's what uh, Spotify is using for their algorithm to uh, put our podcast out out more uh, in the in the forefront. So the more people that we get to follow on Spotify, the more. Uh, visibility the podcast is going to get uh, in the Spotify community and and thus further reaching uh, outside of that platform. Now you can listen to this podcast on you know I think ten different platforms now. Uh, Apple Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can go to uh, what used to be Anchor. They were bought out by Spotify. They're now Spotify for Podcasters, which is a separate entity from Spotify itself. Um, but go to Spotify, you know, hit that follow button on there uh, because that really helps us out to, to continue to grow this. And, you know, uh, we got we got some guests that are going to help us hopefully uh, grow our content, too. And Jimmy and I are kicking around some ideas uh, with some other platforms as well to uh, to, to to continue to raise our numbers. Uh, and make this uh yeah hopefully make it easier you know yeah. make, make it easy for everybody to access um and get notifications things like that um chris for for the spotify uh, and i i have a spotify subscription so i'm not real sure but i know you can listen to certain things without having a subscription can you yeah. subscribe without having a subscription yeah, so you don't have I don't believe that you have to have a subscription, a paid subscription, because you can sign up for free or follow, um, not subscribe. to follow. Yeah. Um, and that's all that's all we're asking for. We're just asking for a follow the podcast page on Spotify. Just go on there and hit the follow button. You don't ever have to listen to 
this on Spotify. Um, but that's what they're that's the algorithm that they're using to uh, promote podcasts. So if our numbers our numbers have to go up there for for Spotify itself to promote to do more promoting of the podcast and they've done all right. I mean, they've, they've certainly promoted it. I like uh, Spotify. I think, it, I, think yeah, I, do. I just, I have some people, I have some of our followers have said that they don't and they listen to it through other avenues. Sure. And that's fine. Um, but the, 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 where, where we need to get our numbers continuing to grow and they've been growing, but we need them to keep growing uh, is on with Spotify followers. So yeah, that's my plug. That's my plug on that one. You all have a great rest of the weekend. Hey, happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans who are out there listening. Jimmy, happy Veterans Day. <laughs> um, happy Veterans Day, Chris. Uh, thank you. And uh, happy Veterans Day to all of you veterans out there that listen to the show. And we appreciate you. Uh, and we'll see you Tuesday. All right. All right. Later. <laughs>